In some ways, Goucher College may seem like a typical liberal arts college. A small and passionate student body, intelligent and caring professors, and a gorgeous historic campus. But when it came time to modernize the dorms on that campus, facilities director Terrence McCann Jr. took the college's commitment to innovation and environmental sustainability seriously. And that's what has led to the move of Frolicker Hall, one of the biggest and fastest building moves ever attempted by a college or university. Stick around to learn more as we move on with this week's PreserveCast. From Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined in studio by Terrence McCann, who is the Director of Facilities Management at Goucher College, which is located in Baltimore County, Maryland. We brought Terrence in today to talk with us about a pretty fascinating project, which is moving some historic structures. But in this case, no simple structure. We're actually going to be talking about moving a large historic college dorm. So we're really excited to have you in studio today, Terrence. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Is this your first preservation project? What is it that you do for Goucher? Yeah, uh, good morning. It is not the first project that I've done as far as preservation. And at Goucher College, uh, I've been there a little over two years. And before that, I was at the University of Maryland College Park. Uh, We did projects in which we were restoring and renovating historic buildings The nature of a college campus that has been around for a while has very old buildings, and they have a lot of them. So in any project where we have a renovation or an addition, we're usually looking to do some things to some older buildings. So this is Frolicker Hall. And what was the history of these buildings? How old are they? Give us a little bit of background before we talk about the project itself. Sure. Goucher College's original campus is in downtown Baltimore. And the college decided to move out of the city and they found property up at that time, you know, the Towson area, there was around a little over 400 acres. And over time, they started building buildings and moving the campus. And Frolicker Hall was essentially the last residence hall that was required to move the rest of the campus to that location. And so the buildings were completed in 1950. Okay, so we're talking about buildings that at this point are 67 years old, I guess? That's correct. And what kind of structures are they? What are they made out of? How do they put them together? They're block buildings, uh, and they have stone. There's concrete trusses on the first floor. There's steel trusses on the upper floors. There's uh, wood roof trusses at the top. They have clay tile shingles. So they have a little bit of everything. They have a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, High-quality materials. You know, when we talk clay tile, shingle roofs, and butler stone facade, they're very nice materials. And how big, just for people who are listening to get a sense for this, how many residents lived in the residence hall? Frolicker Hall is made up of four buildings. It's shaped in a, a pinwheel shape in which you have Alcock, Gallagher, Tuttle, and Thorman. Now, the three buildings we're moving is Alcock, Gallagher, and Tuttle. And each building has about 55 beds, each of those buildings. And then the Thorman Center is or was attached to Tuttle. Well, we detached it from the Tuttle building and it housed offices and some classrooms and and some rooms, but that building wasn't going to be relocated with the other three. Okay, so that one's being demolished. Right, that one is being demolished. So take us a little little bit through 
why we got to the point where we had to move them or even consider moving them. What's happening at Goucher that precipitated this? Sure. The campus, uh, before I arrived, did a housing study, and they were looking at uh, what they should do for maybe building some new housing, renovating some existing housing, some dorms. And the plan told them to put a first-year village. The footprint of that first-year village would go where Frolicker Hall is today. And the campus was able to build one of those buildings without impacting Frolicker Hall, but the next two buildings needed to go where Frolicker is. And the decision at that time was just to demolish Frolicker. Okay. And then what happened? You said decision at that time. So obviously that changed Yeah, the decision at that time. Uh, when I arrived and I, I started evaluating some of the plan and looking at what was it that we were going to be doing and looking at the Frolicker buildings, just asking a few questions about uh, the buildings. They seem to be in pretty good shape, good condition. It looked like the college had put a certain amount of investment in them over a number of years. So I started asking my team about what could we do to maybe save those buildings and what it would take and what would that look like? And that's when it started. So finance, I mean, that's the first thing everybody gets to financially, right? Because Correct. I mean, you can probably move any building with the right amount of money, but that's where it normally stops is because it becomes cost prohibitive. But in this case, I guess it, it made sense financially to actually pick these up or was it financially and sentimentally? Yeah, a few things come into play. We're a very sustainable campus. We're a green campus. We take that very seriously. It's very important to us. So one of the things is, you know, this is a very sustainable approach. Let's save the buildings. Let's divert everything that we would do to tear them down and haul it away. Let's keep it. That's one big mm -hmm. way of looking at it. Another is, you know, what is the cost impact to keeping the buildings and moving the buildings? What type of investment is that? We know from what we're doing with new buildings that it's half the cost, right? So the cost of us to relocate the three buildings is half the cost it would be for us to do new buildings. That's significant. That is a significant piece to wow. the discussion. But again, you have, to, you have to think about, all right, a new building, a new room versus a building that's 67 years old and not new. What does that mean? Does it appeal to new students? Because students get pretty picky about their residence halls, right? Right. And so, you know, and everything, our, our plan for building out our first year village targets, you know, new rooms, a new type of room and layout for our first year students. And so that was part of the discussion, keeping the buildings, moving the buildings, the cost of that. What is the historical significance of that? We have a lot of alum that have fond memories of living in those buildings. And we're happy to start hearing that we may keep them instead of demolish them. And so I think there's a few things that played into a decision for us to go ahead and move them. So what are they going to become once they're moved? Are they going to remain residence halls? Yes, yeah, so they'll remain residence halls. There's three buildings, uh, around 55 beds in each building. And that's really because they're primarily doubles. There's some singles mixed in to that, but they're primary doubles. And the plan is move them and keep them for another 50 years and use it as a residence hall. How we change that in the future, will they all remain doubles? Will we put them all in singles? Is there flexibility there for us in the future? There, there will be. For now, as we build out other residence halls, we'll use it primarily as it is today, which is a double environment. Okay. Well, why don't we take a quick break? And then when we come back, we can talk about the actual process of moving these because it's pretty, pretty amazing what you guys were able to do there. So we'll do that when we come back right here on PreserveCast.
Ah, uh, August. It's nearly over. But I still have a little of that summer oompa-pa left in me. And I think I know just the place to go to both chase that summer feeling and feed my Jonesin for cool Maryland history. Did you know that Maryland's Eastern Shore is home to the oldest family-owned amusement park in the United States? Trimper's Rides and Amusements was founded in 1893 and is still spinning today. Daniel and Margaret Trimper owned two hotels, the Seabright and the Eastern Shore, just three years after arriving in Ocean City, Maryland in 1890. The Trimpers were and continue to be an integral part of the beach community. Back in the day, the boardwalk was only a temporary summer hangout and not a permanent structure and Daniel Trimper was one of the original residents who would go out and lay down wooden boards every summer to create a waterside promenade. He'd also go out and pack up all the boards to store for the winter, too. After a storm damaged the shore in 1900, the boardwalk was rebuilt as a year-round fixture. And the Trimpers, whose hotel the Seabright was damaged in the storm as well, saw an opportunity and decided to rebuild that hotel in the style of Windsor Castle in England. Their hotels, amusement park, and theater went on to be known as the Windsor Resort for some time. Twelve years after the storm, Daniel purchased a 50-foot Herschel Spillman carousel, which still operates in the park today. A classic piece of American art and entertainment combined, when it was installed it was one of the biggest carousels in the country. The park expanded over the century to include a haunted house, designed and built by a Ringling Brothers art director, a Ferris wheel, and several other rides and shops. In the 1980s, they got their first roller coaster. Today, it is owned and operated by the fifth generation of Trimpers. And while over a century has passed since its founding, parts of the park remain the same. Visitors can still get spooked in the haunted house, or enjoy the beauty and the novelty of the antique rides and ticket booths, all in working condition that are spread throughout the indoor portion of the park. Well, that's it for me. I've got to hurry if I'm going to catch those final summer rays. And you've got to get back to PreserveCast. Do you have questions? We may have answers. If at any point during this podcast you've thought of a question that you have for us or maybe one of our guests, we'd love to hear about it. You can send an email to podcast at presmd.org, and we'll try and answer it right here on the air on the next episode of PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined by Terrence McCann, who is the Director of Facilities Management at Goucher College in Baltimore County, Maryland. And when we took our break, we just heard about Frolicker Hall and sort of the plan to move it, why they made the decision to move it, which was a multifold decision, both financial and sentimental and sustainable. And we know it's going to become a residence hall once it moves again. But take us through the process of figuring out how you move this. I, I presume you've consulted with some experts. You just didn't throw it on the back of a pickup truck. You, you had to hire someone to help out with this. Yeah, that's correct. You know, once we had a few conversations about what it is we might do to move buildings, uh, the next step was to engage in some professionals. And we were currently finishing up our first building of the first year village. So Sells Hall, 
which has been completed, which opened up in the fall of 16, was at the end of being completed. And we had Whiting Turner, uh, mm-hmm. our contractor there, and Air St. Gross, our architect, there also. That was the team that we had there for that project. Uh, and of course, they're the team that, that are building the other two buildings, which right now we call 1B and 1C because there's not a name. So I walked in the Whiting Turner trailer one day and project manager, John Lawrence, I sat down and had a conversation with him just trying to talk through some options and asked uh, Whiting Turner, do you have a subcontractor who moves buildings? And of course, John at that point said, I'm not sure. Let me go look. I'll get back with you. And so a couple of days later, John called me and said, we found a contractor. This is what they do. Uh, They move large structures. You know, we're going to ask, see if they want to come down and look at the Frolicker Hall buildings and see, uh, see if we can move them. And at the same time, I started to engage with Air St. Gross. I said, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about doing this. We'll probably come to the table in the next few days if we get a good response from the contractor coming down to look and see if we can move the buildings. So the contractor comes down and I guess they gave it a clean bill of health in, in terms of moving it? Yes, they, they looked at the buildings and the makeup of the buildings, their location, their elevation, because the contractor needs to get underneath the buildings to do work in order to lift them and, and move Jack them. them up. So they said, yeah, this we can do this. And who was the firm that helped you actually move it? So Wolf House and, and Building Movers, okay. they're located in Pennsylvania. They came down, they talked with us about the potential to do that. And then I circled back with the team. We sat down, Whiting Turner, Air St. Gross, Goucher College, started talking through our options, what it would take to obviously design new foundations. Because mm-hmm. uh, essentially you're cutting away the utility and the foundation from the existing buildings, and that's what you need at your new location. So we were looking to see what it would take to put utilities over to the new location. And, and to, you need the space, too, for the, the new. space, right. And Air St. Gross looking at the three buildings and their orientation and looking at what is the space on campus we have to do that. And then utility required and the, found, the new foundations to set the building on, right? So, so how far did they have to move? They're moving about five to 800 feet. You okay. know, one's closer than the others. And as we talk right now, have they all moved yet? So Alcock and Gallagher have moved. Okay. Uh, they are on their new foundations. So take us through that process. What happens? Sure. They, you know, from start to finish, how long did it take? What did they do? Right. So, you know, Whiting Turner's team shows up. Uh, they start taking grade around the foundation, right? They start pushing, pulling, and, and digging out around the building and, and getting down to the elevation that uh, the contractor needs to start putting beams underneath the building. Mm-hmm. So they, they make penetrations into the foundation wall. They start needling these beams through underneath the building. It's a web of steel, essentially, and um, they position all that steel under the building, and then they have these hydraulic jacks, and they hook it to this giant machine. And they start lifting the building off its existing foundation. So did everybody hold their breath when that happened? <laughs> because in theory it, and mathematically it should all work, but then there's the reality right. where you just don't know what's going to happen in the real world. Absolutely. If you've properly supported the building according to your engineer and where on all the points you need to support the building in order to lift it, if that is done properly, then yes, you have a lift and they need to lift it about five, six feet up Okay. in order to put their wheels under it. Right. And that lifting process took a day, a couple yeah, days. Yeah. So the prep takes about two and a half weeks. Once they're ready, it takes about a day. If they get started early, it could bridge two days to lift, but about a day to lift. Once it's lifted, you know, they have to support that lift and they have to bring their jacks out and they have to put their wheels in. And then they have to bring that structure down onto those wheels in which 
then at that point, you know, they could pull a lot of their cribbing and their support out. Everything rests on those wheels in order to roll the building. And so when you talk about two and a half weeks to prep, day to lift, about another week to get it in a place where it, it can roll, mm-hmm. and then making sure that the pathway where the building starts from and where it ends is properly built. Now, we've talked to people before on PreserveCast who do house moving. We talked to some folks in North Carolina who have done this, but they're talking about moving. I mean, I wouldn't, maybe not a shack, but I mean, we're talking about a small single family, like a cottage or something like that. And they pull that with a truck. Right. What do you pull this giant, I mean, you're talking about, you talked to, it has stone and cinder block and ceramic tiles. And I mean, that sounds heavy. Yeah, it's, it's about 1,200 tons. There is a machine that's mounted to the side of the building, which is essentially mounted to the steel that they have in place. And the wheels are connected to this machine, so it's hydraulic, right? These, mm-hmm. There's no pushing or pulling. It is operated by essentially, if you can imagine, it's a little controller the guy has, right? He has a control, eight inches by four inch control panel that he has that he carries with him. And he walks alongside the building as he moves it forward. And... Again, we build we build a temporary path, right? A temporary road with asphalt millings. We have to okay. have a certain to level it all out, level and it off, and, and make sure that the, it is a good straight path to its new foundation, and it can support the building and the wheels as it rolls to that new foundation. Wow! So it moved. It the the two that you've done, it went without a hitch, no problems along the way. No, they they moved according to plan. Uh, they moved over their new foundation, and then once you get over that new foundation, there's a lot of work to do. You have to lift the building again a little bit to get the wheels out, mm-hmm. support it, and then you have to actually lower it to its final elevation. And then your mason comes in and blocks up to that existing building from the new foundation. So has that all been done? That's you... all been done on okay. Alcock and Gallagher. Uh, once that has been done and everything is is good to go, Essentially, you, we can bring out all the rest of the cribbing and steel that's still underneath right. the building, supporting it until that new foundation is complete. Then the contractor can pull all that out, and we can start going back in there and doing all the work to connect all the utility. So have you been back in this building now? Yes. Alcock and Gallagher, all the steel has been removed, and currently we are connecting all the utility. We have a lot of work to do to put water and sewer and power. And right. Now, I imagine, I mean, most people listening to this would be curious, you go in, a lot of cracks or are there things broken or was it in pretty good shape? Pretty good shape. You know, we monitor if, if any hairline cracks uh, are noticeable. We monitor those. No real issues with Alcock or Gallagher. Hmm. Now, were they plaster on the inside or drywall? Or? There's, a, there's a combination over time. There's been some minor things done. So you have some walls have drywall. A lot of walls have plaster. How did that all hold up? It, it held up great. Really? And are you taking that out? Are you gutting it or no? No, we are we're doing very limited work in the interior of the buildings. One is the timing, right? So we right. have we had students move out May 15th at the end of the semester. We brought our contractor in to start work and and our deadline is August 15th, the week of August 15th to be completed. To be livable? To be livable. So you you picked up and moved a building and are making it livable by August 15th. That is that is our project schedule currently. Uh, it's a very aggressive I'm, schedule. I'm in the process of redoing a kitchen right now, and I don't think I could do it that fast. So my hat's off to you. 
uh, we had 200 square feet of kitchen to redo, and I think it has taken as long as you to move uh, Frolicker Hall. So, well, I would imagine you could get that kitchen done in a couple of days if you had 10 of you to do it. That's probably if I have Whiting Turner yeah, or St. Gross, I think I'd probably be in good shape. Yeah, and it's just a matter of the amount of subcontractors we have in the buildings doing all the work, and there's you know there's a lot of exterior things that have to be done. With now, what brain. role do you have in all of this? I mean, obviously, you've Whiting Turner is acting as your general contractor, and then Air St. Gross is your architect, but you're kind of behind the scenes driving it to make sure that you hold that deadline. Is that correct? And in our role, you know, any facilities management team that has a role of delivering projects for a campus, yes, that's our role, right? We we select the team that we need to do what we need to do, and then we need to keep them uh, within that schedule you know, within that budget and hit our targets. And right. so, yeah, my team right now is working very hard with them to ensure we meet our, our schedule. So this interview for, I mean, sometimes of our, our PreserveCast episodes come out a little bit after we do the interview, but we're doing this on July 31st right now. And you said August 15. Anything keeping you up at night about getting it done by August 15? Well, you know, there could be a number of things that can keep you up at night. <laughs> uh, you know, we're just pushing forward, putting as many folks in there and as for as many hours as we can to meet our schedule. Of course, there's a balancing act, you know, working with the county and, and Baltimore County has been great. Right, because you have to go us. through a permitting process to do all this. Yeah, kind of yeah and, 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 you know, that was some of the first things we did too, right? Let's right. go talk to the county. Right, can we do this? Is this legal? Yeah. What's the county's uh, look on interpreting the code, right? Uh, what are we going to need to do with the county to ensure that? Do they know, consider it a demolition code? when you move it? Or they, no. they they don't, um, you know, the category is unique because essentially we weren't really wanting to renovate. We wanted just to move. And then uh, talking through what we need to do with the county and looking to do some ADA improvements. Mm -hmm. And that's and, and when you ask about what we're doing inside, you know, really it's ADA, right? We're looking at the first floors and making ADA improvements. Okay. So there's no elevators. There's no elevators. You got to move all those dorm materials up and down stairs. Yeah, and again, you know, I we're guess. not doing much work in the third and second <laughs> floor, but we're primarily doing on the first floors. And that's something we strive to do on our college campus. You know, wherever we can make those improvements, we do. You know, when you have old buildings, there's challenges right. with that, but we do what we can with, you know, what we have and we continue to pursue those things. And so, yeah, we think a great thing about this project is we've included those improvements on the first floors of each of the buildings. Uh, when's the final move take place? Tuttle. Tuttle is our third building. It is the one that hasn't moved yet, and we're working. We have some challenges there dealing with the existing foundation and ensuring that we're careful in what we do there to move that building. And so I don't have a date for yeah. the third building. Are people going to live in that – students going to live in that hall in place? No. No, no. so that we're, one's kind of closed we'll, off. We'll right move now. that building at a later date. I just don't have that date. Yeah. And so our target right now for our project is let's let's get Alcock, let's get Gallagher, let's get them done. Let's make sure we can move our students. One battle at a time. Yeah, and, you know, we would love to have had all three. Obviously, that's the project all at the same time, ready to go for our students, uh, our first-year students when they move in on August 19th. But now we've reset. Um, Alcock, Gallagher, have them ready. And then once we can confirm what we need to do with Tuttle, uh, we'll move that building and we'll put that building in place and we'll complete all the work that needs to be done for that building. And then we have our three buildings. So any chance now you're just going to make a career of this? You're just going to go around and pick up residence halls as you just fell in love with it? You know, I, I, I don't know about <laughs> making it a career of it. Um, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of challenges. I try to summarize yeah. everything. But you can imagine we had months and months of work. Mm -hmm. And you got to worry about weather. And, I mean, yeah, worry about weather. I mean, you know, this is a pretty large scale project right. to do over a summer and you have pretty decent weather here in the summer but you can have a big yeah. downpour like we'd had no we, we you know? definitely can and 
the, the weather's been pretty good yeah. this summer for us, for our project. But yet, uh, not making a career out of moving buildings. Now, you won't be the dorm mover. I will not be the dorm mover. I most certainly, in anywhere I go, will try to look and see and challenge and, and figure out what we can yeah. do and maybe do things differently. And, and sometimes that's well-received and sometimes it's not. How has it been received by the students? I mean, and the faculty for that matter. Are they excited about it? Do they think this is kind of crazy or? Well, you know, it's it's all who you ask. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have current students that have a different take on that, you know, and you have students who have graduated who live there that have a different take on that. Faculty and staff, you know, they all have different opinions and different looks. I think it's the full spectrum. I think if you take a look at social media and some some folks are like, this is awesome. And then yeah. you just, just go down the comment list right. and you just, and you know, some people think it's great. Some people just don't understand it, maybe don't get it or just don't like it. I don't, you know, they're just opinions. Yeah. I think for, for the college presenting this, this idea to the president, you know, he's all about innovation. He's all about bringing the ideas to mm-hmm. him and you got to have a champion in order for things like this to happen. And, you know, we brought the idea to Jose Bowen, who's the president there and it was well received. Yeah. He was excited about it and said, let's do this. Yeah. I think it's a really bright moment for a university in general, just because from the preservation side of things, universities can and oftentimes are, cannot be the best stewards of cultural resources. I think that there's, there's a lot of push to grow and they have to do things and they have limited space and they're not always the best stewards of historic resources. So to see a university make the decision to pick it up and move it and save it I think that's pretty exciting from the preservation side. So I think Goucher should be congratulated for that. Maybe a potential award winner in the future for, for the good work you're doing there. Well, thank you. And, you know, we're excited to be able to do it. We really are. So uh, last question before we part ways here, which we ask everyone who comes on to PreserveCast, if you have a favorite historic building here in Maryland or perhaps beyond. I don't know where you're originally from, but did you grow up here in Maryland? Uh, no, I'm originally from Iowa. Okay. But I will say, you know, I don't, I don't think I have a building. You know, I really like the Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum. Okay. I think, sure. you know, that, that place has a lot of cool things, a lot of things mm-hmm. that they've brought to that location that are yeah. really neat. You know, the Hooper Strait Lighthouse is really cool. You know, when I was in the private sector, I got a chance to work on the, the steamboat building there. So I think, I think for me, that's a really, really neat place that has yeah. preserved a lot of things, a lot of history in the bay. Of course, I think that's really cool. So that's a I great really answer. Like that. Yeah, we'll go with it. Okay. All great. right. Well, Terrence, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today, and thanks for all the good work that you're doing at, at Goucher. And uh, good luck on the next big move. Well, thank you very much. I was glad I could come in here today, and thank you. You don't need to open a history book to find us. Available online from iTunes and the Google Play Store, as well as our website, presmd.org. This is PreserveCast. This podcast was developed under a grant from the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training, a unit of the National Park Service. Its contents are the sole responsibility of Preservation Maryland and the Maryland Milestones Heritage Area, and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of the National Park Service or the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training. This week's episode was produced and engineered by Stephen Israel. Our executive producer is Aaron Markovich. Our theme music is performed by the band Pretty Gritty. You can learn more about them at their website, prettygrittymusic.com, on Facebook or on Twitter at PG underscore Pretty Gritty. To learn more about Preservation Maryland or this week's guest, visit preservationmaryland.org. 
While there, you can check out our blog and learn about what's current in historic preservation. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Flickr, and Twitter at PreservationMD. And of course, a very special thank you to our listeners. Keep preserving.